Simplified Chaos, Episode 28. Life is beautiful and full of chaos. And it can get slightly out of hand if that shit's not tamed. We're here to share how to simplify the little things to start leading a more purposeful life. This is Simplified Chaos. Hey, lovely friends. Welcome back to another episode of Simplified Chaos. This is Jillian, and I'm with my co-host, Nicholas. What's going on, folks? feel like we just did this last night. That's because we did. Yes. Double-decker. When you hear this episode, Jillian and I will be in Copenhagen visiting some friends, bringing Lucille. It should be a very interesting eight-hour flight there, (laughs) and maybe even a more interesting eight-hour flight back. So, um... Somebody told me that when she was on a flight with one of her, um, when her with her baby, I think he might have been two. She said the whole time, like they're on the plane, she's like, "Why did I do this? Why did I do this? Why did I do this?" And then when she got there, she's like, "It was worth it." Yeah, I think it will be as well. But yeah, we're recording this one early because we will be out of town, and we didn't want to leave you guys hanging. But this week, I think is a very fun episode. It's gonna be something a little bit different, where I'm gonna be kind of interviewing Jill about her experience teaching and how that's really kind of transitioned to parenthood, but also just a lot of the lessons she learned this year that I think are very applicable to how we treat children. Is that accurate? My whole mindset and perspective on how we interact with kids has completely changed. Yes. So this is going to be a fun one. But as always, before we get into our main topic... Let's talk a little gratitude. Jilly, what are you grateful for today? Today, I am grateful for Danae Barahona, who wrote a wonderful book that I recently purchased called Simple Happy Parenting. And not only is the book amazing and very simple and to the point and very informative, she also has an awesome podcast called Simple Families. And That has probably been a huge influence on just the way I view kids, I interact with kids, and I thought I knew what I was doing with children. Thought I knew. Man, I feel like I'm learning new things. I mean, you've been doing teaching for 10 years. It's crazy how once you think you know what you're doing and then you learn more, it's like, no, no, I still need to keep learning. Oh, no, Mm -hmm. I still need to keep learning because I'm definitely never going to know it all. But knowing is knowing that you know nothing. Oh, that's deep. Socrates. <laughs> that's a philosophizer. Hi. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. Yeah, so I'm so just... Socrates Johnson. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> so I'm just grateful for her putting out the good message she does and just interviewing the people she does because I've soaked in a lot of that knowledge and she's a lot to thank for how I'm teaching now and how I'm parenting. So well, thanks to Based on this conversation, your kids are lucky and, and everyone's going to find out why when we get into today's episode. But for me, I am grateful for one of the guys that I support at work, Mark Schubert, the director of Guide and Thrive. He did a very nice gesture today and we're a brand new unit in the company and we're really starting something from scratch. And it's really been in the motion for the last six months. And he was very gracious. He bought us all lunch today. And then, you know, at the end of lunch, 
he just told us how much he appreciated everything that we're doing, all the hard work, the changes in directions that we've had. Um, but then went around the room and like individually talked about, you know, everyone's accomplishments and, and what they bring to the team. And it was just a really great gesture. And, you know, that's never really happened in any work environment that I've ever had where, you know, someone, you know, I've had people buy lunch before, but like to truly like just go around and thank everybody individually in the room and, and the reason why, um, you know, that everyone's contributed and, and it was just really nice. And, you know, I was really actually, you know, touched about it. You know, it was, it was very nice. So wow, he thank like you, Mark. Personalized like why yeah. he, he and we are delivering were him. We're delivering is... personalized hmm. behavioral health. Awesome. And well-being support. So yeah, he 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 really kind of walks the walk and talks the talk, or talks the talk and walks the walk. <laughs> it's funny how a little bit of kindness and just being genuine and just saying, "Hey, I um I appreciate you because," and then just telling them one thing and how that yeah. can completely change your whole I know your whole day. Yeah. No, but it was it was it. really it was a great gesture, and good job. I just want to let him know that I really appreciate it. So great. All That's right, awesome, babe. So let's dive into this little interview with Jill. Oh, man. I know. Oh, man. I'm going to be asking some hard cutting questions here. No softballs, Jilly. Ah. All right. So the first one, you know, I, I want to kind of paint a picture for everybody. You know, I want you to talk to us a little bit about your classroom dynamic and how it may be different from other classrooms. Okay, so I currently, well, I did teach second grade in the years past. I taught kindergarten, I taught first. Um, but this year, um, the dynamic of my classroom was a lot different. Physically, the space was a lot different. Um, I feel like I just created more space this year, more space with less stuff in it. Mm -hmm. So, less clutter, less books, just less busyness. Less distractions. Less distractions. And that's really hard when you're in a classroom because you're given so many materials. You're given workbooks, you're given notebooks, you're given curriculums, like you're given, it's almost like overload of stuff that they buy you and say, here's all this stuff, you know, how you use it, if you wanna use it, your choice. It's just mental overload, physical overload. Yeah. And if it's physical overload for me just to see it, imagine what it's like for the kids to have all it's those distractions. It's gotta be overwhelming. And I was that teacher before where I would buy all of those cute posters that I thought were kid friendly and I would just put them all over my classroom. But when I, when I came into teaching, like I know I came in mid-year because I was on maternity leave, like I didn't put anything on the wall unless me and the kids talked about it and we created it together. Because there's no sense in putting anything on the wall unless you're doing it and talking about it mm -hmm. with the students. So it's not like I'm buying just all these cute teacher posters like, oh, like your morning routine, like how to be a good friend or I, I don't know. There's just so many generic things like the vowel sounds and like there's so many, there's so much stuff out there you can buy for your classroom that that's kind of just distractions as well. Mm -hmm. And there's no point in putting it up if you're not intentionally talking about it and using it every day. So just to create a picture, like we had desks this year, so didn't have a lot of stuff. So um, when it came for, and I, I guess I really saw this when we would have indoor recess, just to give you an idea. Usually when you have indoor recess, you have a lot of games or you have a lot of stuff for the kids <laughs> to, you know, to play with. Right. So you're entertaining them. And I 
kind of realized that I don't need to entertain the kids. I don't need to have all this stuff, these toys, these gadgets for the kids to have fun. We had very simple things like these wooden beads, these math cubes that we would use for math and paper, pencil, and the stuff and the ideas that the kids would come up with and the things they would create was just mind blowing to me. And they don't, don't get me wrong. There is a time where they're kind of like bored. Like, what are we supposed to do with this stuff? Like, this is, you know, this is stupid. And you don't know, like saying the S word as they called it. <laughs> but it's funny how you get over that boredom hump. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, I have an idea. But it really takes, it's discomforting. Like, it's uncomfortable right. watch, being bored. And it's uncomfortable watching other people be bored because you just want to help them and be like, let me fix it. But just letting them solve the problems on their own and come up with these amazing ideas was brilliant and I kind of used that strategy in everything that I would try and teach. Like not just indoor recess, it was math problems. I'm not gonna show you how to do this. I'm gonna present a problem. I'm gonna make it really relatable. It's gonna be about a topic that you like. The kids were obsessed with Beyblades this year, which is some kind of toy <laughs> that supposedly was out a long time ago too. I would incorporate things that they were genuinely interested in and put it in problems and that just sparked motivation and they like wanted to do it and they'd come to me like, is this the right answer? How do you do it? And I would just kind of step back and just ask them questions and just like, well, what do you know? Right. Um, okay, what do you think we should do next? Well, does that make sense? So I turned my classroom instead of me lecturing and just asking questions and just listening. That's awesome. And my motto this year was pretty much shut up ask questions and yeah. listen more. And it was mind blowing how that changed everything. That's awesome. Now you've been teaching for, this was your 10th year, correct? This was my 10th year. year teaching. So how would you say that your teaching style changed this year or differed from pre previous years? Wow, I feel like I kind of talked about that a yeah, little you bit. did. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, it's all good. <laughs> um, well, I will say that in, when it comes to disciplining kids, I found that I really didn't need discipline, mm -hmm. quote unquote, anymore, because I changed the way I interacted with the kids. This year, I took time and I didn't rush anything. I We have a curriculum, but honestly, I didn't look at the curriculum. I just looked at the standards that, or the goals that they wanted us to accomplish with the kids. And instead of looking at the curriculum and teaching what that book, that giant complex <laughs> jumble of paper was telling me to do instead I said I'm not going to use this to teach the kids I'm going to use the kids to help me teach the kids because I just had to get to know them and the kids are what directed my instruction so this year because I took the time and actually listened to them not just say hey that's a cool story we got to move on because I got to go to next this next lesson instead of rushing them and rushing myself I just made the time to just sit and listen to them tell me stories about their life what they enjoy doing um, just what they're interested in and questions they have. And kids have so many questions. Right. And I realized that I was kind of stifling their curiosity because I thought that I had to teach everything and teach all of this content. But really, I just needed to listen to the kids and that was what's gonna help me reach them and teach them. And I found that once they knew that I cared because I listened and I took the time to listen and genuinely be interested, they, we just got along so much better. And I didn't have to say, you know, before I'd be like, you know, move your clip on this color because we have the system like red, green. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I would, and I kind of started out that that way this year, but then I realized as the year was progressing, I'm like, I haven't used it in months, and the kids were like, 
hey, how come everyone's still on green? Like, we haven't really moved our clip in a long time. And I'm like, They yeah. called themselves out, huh? They did. And I was like, <laughs> you're right. I said, I don't know. I guess we've just been really good at solving problems now. And that was another thing. Like, I actually took the time to teach social and emotional skills. So important. And we think it's so, like, yeah, it's it's... We don't think it's trivial. We're like, oh, well, I have to teach geography. Like, that's way more important than teaching kids how to solve problems. So I actually took the time and the kids role played. Like, I had to give them the language, of course. Like, you know, tell the person how it makes you feel and then explain why you feel that way. And, you know, just see if they'd be willing to do something different. And once the kids would role play it and practice it, and I, the big thing is that I had to do it too. I had to be just as authentic in my own life and around them as I'm delivering this information to them. Right. So they see me modeling and doing it. And it's just, it was blowing my mind how the kids could, would start independently, just so, start solving problems. So it wasn't like the teachers kept putting out fires, putting out fires. Like, that's exhausting. And I think I want to add to that because I know one of the stories that you told me was that oftentimes when you thought that the kids were getting off track and just talking about something that was completely random. Yeah. You would, in the past, always go in and try to, you know, get them back on track before they had a chance to finish your story. And then this year, you kind of let it go a little bit more. And what you found out was that even though you feel like you were going off the rails, like, completely, Mm -hmm. for some reason, like, it would always eventually come back. And maybe it was because they were long-winded or just had a long way of telling stories. Mm -hmm. But it always found a way back to the actual lesson that you were were teaching. And rather than, you know, us saying, well, this kid is just distracting the class or is, you know, talking about whatever is not paying attention. No, he was paying attention. He just happened to have a really interesting story that might have taken a little bit longer to tell. But eventually, he got back to the, the topic at hand. Yeah, no, that was pretty mind-blowing once I actually gave them the time to finish speaking and telling the whole story. And it it just can be difficult, especially when you have, like, 20-plus kids because, you know, kids have uh, short attention attention spans, and even adults do, too. And that was another thing. When, like, a kid was talking to me and I would see another kid, like, in my peripheral vision, like, you know, fidgeting with scissors or drawing or doodling before I would say, hey, pay attention. Like, why are you doing that? That's disrespectful. But... When I think about it, like adults at meetings, adults in conferences, adults in classes, is everyone always looking at the professor? No, no. most of them are looking at their phones. And it doesn't mean they're not listening. There it's, are constant distractions in meetings and, and everything these like, days. The expectations we expect from kids are so unrealistic, it's ridiculous. And I realize that, you know what? As long as the kids are quiet and they're doing something that's intriguing to them or just, you know, just just being them like maybe they need some downtime and just to un- unwind you know like we can't be focused 24 7 no, all the it's, time it's a heavy day you know for them being there for eight plus hours with a 15 minute recess and what a 20 minute lunch is that, is that what lunch is lunch is 30 minutes 30 but i mean that's still a, a lot of learning that's going on and a lot that's expected of them especially at that age yeah and i i really had to be reflective and think about well how do adults act when they're in a classroom for this long i was like <laughs> our expectations are so unrealistic for students that they all need to be attentive when we demand it and just it's almost like robots like do as i say or these are the consequences and i was like I would never want to be in a classroom like that. I would hate to have a professor, and I don't really like to use the word hate. I was strongly disliked <laughs> to be in a classroom where I was always told what to do. They didn't listen to my stories. They didn't really show me they cared. And I was being taught something that wasn't interesting to me. Like, 
as adults, we have the choice to choose what we want to learn. We have the choice to choose a podcast, to read a book. Somebody's not telling us what to do. And if you think about the way education is now, it's they have no choice. And that was what was so different this year is that I gave them choices. Did it lead to chaos? Absolutely. Sure. There were days where it was like really awesome. And then there was days where it's like, holy cow, like what am I getting myself into? But when I say like the chaos is worth it, the chaos is so worth it. And even when you think it's like not meaningful, you go in and find out and ask questions that the kids are actually being innovative. They're they're problem solving. They're even like showing leadership skills. And that's what I realized school was for. I think before I thought school was all about teaching content. Like, a, yeah, we're preparing kids for the real world by teaching them content. And then I well, teach them memorization and not creativity. And then I thought about it, I'm like, what do I remember from elementary school that my my memories? I remember anytime we did a hands on fun experience. And I remember teachers that were really kind to me and funny. Yeah. And that's what I want to be. I want to be that teacher that they remember. I remember when we went outside exploring for so-and-so. I remember when Miss Kasalniak let us, you know, we made lemonade that one day because we decided on a business plan that we wanted to sell lemonade, which actually really happened in my class, and it was mind-blowing yeah. that they did that. But letting go of control is, like, one of the biggest things I had to do as well. Just letting that control and that power that I thought I had to have and I thought that teachers were supposed to have, I had to let it go. Yeah. So you may have already answered this, but I want to ask this and and get a pointed answer, but what would you say is the most valuable lesson you learned from your kids this year? Wow. Um, That they are on the same level as I am. My most valuable lesson is that if we actually pay attention and let them express what they're thinking and give them the time their ideas are i mean i there's no words like the, the experiences that i had this year and it's hard i wish i could have journaled everything but if we just really sincerely like listen to these kids and give them that time and space to just show us what they love and explore and create like it is just mind blowing the things that they come up with and the things they say and I think it all starts with how we talk and interact with kids. Absolutely. So we're obviously new parents for the past 13 months. How has teaching prepared you for parenting? I, I don't know why I didn't come to this realization. It's probably because I've never been a parent. But now I'm realizing that being a parent and being a teacher is synonymous. You're and I hate using the word good parent or bad parent, but I feel like if you can teach, you can parent. If you can parent, you can teach because you have to genuinely show love and care and affection and just trust your child. And you have to you have to nurture your kid at home as well as nurture the kids in your classroom. The same techniques, the same strategies apply. So I feel like teachers should be wearing, wearing, wearing. <laughs> they shouldn't be wearing. Teachers should be reading really good parenting books, if that makes any sense. Even if they're a teacher is not a parent, I feel like to be an effective teacher, you have to know how to love kids and how to treat them and how to talk to them. And I don't know if I'm gonna be diving into this topic later, but you know, I was telling you that I had to change my whole mind perspective, my whole way of speaking to kids. And I had to change it to like looking at the kids like they're little adults and talking to them like they're just 
a friend or a coworker. And it's, it was really hard to kind of like train myself to not talk down to kids, you know, to treat them like they didn't know and that they were less intelligent than me. And that it was, that was so hard. And I would make mistakes all the time. And I, I would have to say, I am so sorry. Like I, I correct myself in front of them. Like I should have never talked to you that way. And that was huge for me to do that. And the kids saw that and they were like, mm-hmm. it's all right. It's all right, Miss Kasanik. Like, you know, it's, it's okay. But I was like, no, it's not okay. Like I wanted to treat, I wanted them to know that it wasn't okay the way I was speaking to them. Like I was higher than them or I had the right to do that. And there is a term that describes that. Adultism. Do, I was going to say, do you want to get into that? Because I know we that. We don't have to. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, that kind of leads into the next question is, you know, who have been your biggest influencers and why? Um, so one of the influencer, influencers was um, Danae Barahona, who is the woman that I talked about in the beginning. Um listening to her podcast every morning on the way to work and then reading her book, just all these little juicy nuggets of just people she would interview and then just the research behind it. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just her saying, this is what you should do. It's like like the research says, like this is how kids thrive. Like research says kids need to be outside. Research says kids need to be outside moving because it helps their brain. It helps them function. It helps them keep them happy. So I love hearing tips as long with along with the reasons behind it and the science behind it, I guess. So she was one of my influencer influences. And another one um, was what's his face? Oh, Peter. No, Seth Godin. Seth. Why did I say Peter? (laughs) (laughs) Seth Godin who I only thought was known for his marketing. Right. He's a huge, uh, he's a god in marketing, if anybody doesn't know. Seth Godin is the man. Um, But he's huge in the education field, and he has some great YouTube videos, and I maybe we can link the one that I really got a lot of value out of, just talking about the history of school and why schools are the way they are, and how, like, back then, they pretty much they were training, like, the reason why schools were the way they were, and all kids sat you know, in desks and rows and followed directions and everybody was given standardized tests. It was really to prepare them for working in a factory and just doing what you're told. And I mean, he goes a lot deeper into it, but just listening to the history of why schools are the way they are and how they've transitioned and how standardized testing was made for a specific reason. And then the person who even invented standardized testing was like, hey, we don't need it anymore. Like the purpose it served is you know, it's over, like, we don't need it. And then they're like, no, we're, we're not going to listen to you. We're going to keep standardized testing. And it really has zero purpose. Like, if you think about it, like, there are tons of kids, I'm not even a good test taker. Like, why are kids defined by a number? Well, the questions are not meant for everybody. Like, it's a standardized test across the entire country. Mm -hmm. And yet, the questions try to deceive kids. And especially like, there's a lot of kids who are coming here who's first language at home is not English. Yeah. And do you think it's easy for them to distinguish that? It's not. It's it's completely and utterly biased and and erroneous. Like it's just, there's no place for that in, in definitely in elementary school, but I would venture to say in any kind of school. Yeah. And I, our school is mostly ESOL students and I feel, I feel really bad for them because it's like, this is so not necessary. Like, who like who is the, I don't know I mean we go into the government we don't have to go in that no, far but no, I was I've been biting like, my tongue about all that stuff. This is important for them like 
oh, we need more engineers. So we need, we need to test this. It's like, what if they're not passionate about engineering? Like you can't force somebody to do something right. they're not interested in. You can't like the, the kids aren't robots. So stop treating them like they are. Stop. Make, I'm going to make this kid be, you know, the next scientific, you know, whatever. And we're going to develop this in the future. It's like you can't force that on people. People yeah, develop it, it how to they want to make organically. meaning. Yeah. And, you know, we may be in fact, we may be discouraging people from being engineers and doctors and whatnot because we're forcing it on them. And, and no one wants to be forced into anything. You want to fall into your passion naturally. You want to, you know want to be forced in a certain direction because your parents or teachers or adults or whatever is forcing you in a direction saying you need to do this you need to do this you know I, I think one of the things with our generation is that our parents always told us that we have to go to college like you're not going to get any jobs anywhere you're not going to do anything you have to go to college and that certain like votech um kind of careers were beneath us and it was always you have you mean to go like to college. Car mechanics yeah, and just, plumbers, and, and, and like, it's like those okay. guys make great money. You know, why, it's why funny are we how belittling our generation those jobs? Looks at money. Like we were taught, do they make good money? That's all we thought That's about. What we were thought, but yeah. our, now our generation doesn't give a shit about money. We care about our well-being and our happiness, and are willing to sacrifice money to have those kinds of things to have a work-life balance. Like. Don't get me wrong. There are people whose passion is to work, and and, and you know they they grind every day. That's what they enjoy doing. But I think most of our generation really wants a nice work life balance. You know, to be able to make a living, but also to have their mental health and and to enjoy life and have experiences. And I feel like a lot of our generation felt like they were lied to about going to college. I personally am not using anything. From college in my professional career everything that I've done to get to where I am has been through training courses that I've taken after the fact I'm not I'm, I majored in history and I'm not doing anything with it it was to me I look back on it, it was a waste of four years and I think more people are infusing work with their passion and what brings them purpose so I think more people are being creative with whatever their job is that it's what they truly want to do. So it almost, it doesn't feel like as much as work as, you know, our parents may think, oh, that's mm -hmm. just work. Like we're in people, more and more people are infusing what they actually genuinely like to do and how they want to help people with their jobs. So it's like they right. enjoy working, but no, I completely agree. Like to me, like I obviously I went to school to be a teacher, but I think I really didn't prepare me. I'd rather someone just throw me in a classroom and say, hey, figure it out. 10 like years later, you're still <laughs> learning, hon. I mean, think yes. about that. I mean, you said it earlier. You you still are learning, and I'm sure next year will be another learning experience for you. Oh, when the kids, I mean, the, every year the kids are different, and they teach you something new. So to me, the curriculum changes because the kids change, because now my curriculum are the kids. Whatever they want to learn, whatever they're interested in, that's what I'm teaching. I think that's brilliant. Uh, and. You know, I applaud you every day when you talk and, and we have our conversations, we talk about, you know, what's going on. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I'm so proud of you. And, 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 you know, those kids are very, very lucky to have you as a teacher. So I've got one last question for you. Okie doke. What advice would you give to adults based on what you've learned from teaching this year? Wow. Like adults, like as in parents or just adults? Just adults in general and, and maybe their interactions with kids. I would say to look at kids like they're little adults, <laughs> to change your whole view of what whatever your definition of kids are and just see them as equals and treat them like equals. 
Um, I think once you change that perspective, it's it's just amazing what they could share with you or what you would learn from them because they are just as much teachers as we are. I agree. I feel like because of everything you've told me, I'm much more opening to, to listening to kids, not cut them off and interrupt them or, or even correct them for that matter. Um, really just try to, like you said, ask questions and, and try to help them get like if, if, if they do need some kind of correction, help them try to figure it out on their own. Give them the language yeah. to help them communicate. Yeah, and, and sure. another thing is, is definitely changing the language um, and how we say things. You know, like you said, treat them like they are little adults. And I think this is a good time to like kind of transition into that adultism. Oh, can I say you, one more thing? Sure. Before adultism. Yeah. Um, and just that, I, I mean, I think we should do this with adults in general, just adults to adults but even i think more so with kids i feel like we're very quick to make assumptions about kids definitely and once i stopped which was really difficult once i stopped making assumptions and just going to the kid and asking them questions and just to give you an example um every morning they come in and they have some type of morning work activity and i noticed that this one kid who usually does it he was like talking with the kids, but then he would like sometimes just sit there and just look at his paper, or then he would just like fiddle with pencils. And I think old teacher me would have been like, like Jacob, like get back to work. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're not on, you're not on task. And the new improved woke Jill walked, <laughs> to J- walked over to Jacob and I said, hey, hey buddy, like, like what's going on? Like, and he just kind of sat there and like, are you okay? Like. You usually do your morning work, but you're not doing it today. Looks like you're playing with pencils. And he was like, um, I'm just really tired. He's like, there was a party going on next door in my apartment and it was really loud and I, I couldn't sleep. And then when I did sleep, I had a really bad nightmare. Like the reason behind why he looked like he was playing or right. not focused, there was a very good reason behind it. But a lot of times we don't ask them. We just make assumptions and then quickly react. Well, we always say that they're misbehaving. Yes. And that is a word that we need to, to strike from our vocabulary. Very true. There, it's oftentimes curiosity. And again, you have no idea what's going on in their personal lives. Mm-hmm. You know, they have personal things going on just as much as adults do. Yes. So, yeah, I think that's a great piece of advice. Thanks. So adultism. Adultism. Let's talk a little bit about that. Oh, man. And it's kind of ironic. We just saw this yesterday in a magazine uh, that's delivered locally in Annapolis. Uh, what is it called? Um, it's the MSEA, the oh, Maryland the MSEA. State yeah, Education. Maryland. So it's a Maryland thing. Yeah, it yeah. Is. yeah. I'm sorry. I, I get that confused with the other magazine we get. All right. So, and I have another resource when we get to that point. But according to the magazine, um, the little article I read, Adultism is the dismissal or minimization of the opinions, knowledge, culture, and life experiences of young people simply because they are young. And this was the part that was really mind-blowing to me. It says um, there are like questions that they want to just put out there to see if these resonate with you and how I guess how you respond to these questions. For example, do we assume we are more important than young people? Are we entitled to take actions that affect them without their agreement? Do we assume we are more intelligent? 
are their opinions less important than ours? Do we give them agency in the decisions that affect them? Do we speak to them respectfully? And I remember previous teacher me, there were a lot of things that I felt, I thought I felt entitled. I thought that my opinion was more important than theirs. I assumed I was more intelligent than them. And just having, like changing that mindset and giving the power back to the kids is what's made my classroom a completely different classroom. It actually relates to real life. Like I feel like I'm interacting with little tiny adults and it's so (laughs) rad. It seriously is. Like they're kids which to me are cooler than adults. No offense to adults because I'm one. But I'd rather hang out with a bunch of kids that I can communicate with that are are like adults than actually interact with real adults. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And there are some other questions at the bottom that said, um, like bef- before you say anything or before you react to a kid, think about these questions. Would I treat an adult this way? Would I talk to an adult in this tone of voice, which is huge. Ter- you know, teachers have a tone. Parents have a tone. Yes, they do. And it's like, would you use that same tone with like your neighbor? It's like, no, that would be really rude. It's like, then why do we Probably do it not, to yeah. kids? Yeah. Um, would I grab this out of an adult's hand? Now, I think if Lucille was running with scissors, clearly I would grab. Yes. I think yes. there are all there are like stipulations yes. to these things, like for safety purposes. But um, like, would I make this decision for an adult? So why am I going to choose what they're going to learn when they don't want to learn about it? Like, obviously, they need to learn how to read. I think that's very important yeah. that the kids yeah. are literate. But I think, and certain foundational math skills. But other than that, I feel like, why shouldn't they have ownership of what they want to learn about? Right. I don't want to be forced to learn something I don't want to. Would I have this expectation for an adult? The expectation that all of the kids need to be watching me as I'm talking and you have to give me all eye contact. You can't be fidgeting. You can't be drawing. You can't be doodling. Like, that's ridiculous. We have to stop yeah. it. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a Catholic school from the 50s. <laughs> and would I limit an adult's behavior this way? So all about disciplining, like time out. Right. And just some of the archaic things that we've been doing for years and years and years. Like just because we've been doing it doesn't mean it's right. And I've seen the benefits, guys. I've seen the benefits when we stop doing it. No, it's it's been awesome. And and just hearing the stories that, that you tell every day, I know <laughs> that you're making a difference and just changing those and it's it's not like a drastic change. It's just changing some little things and, and, and really changing our mindset on about how we think about kids and the way that they learn. And we can, we can teach these kids some amazing things and they can create some amazing things. They teach things. us amazing things and, too. And that's the other thing, you know, they teach us things. And so we need to stop treating them like they're, you know, beneath us and that, you know, we're their owners or, or whatever. It's, it, it's almost feels like that. And, let them be an individual. At, at the end of the day, we're all human. We all have the same emotions, no matter if we're two or if we're 75. I mean, 75-year-olds can have tantrums, too. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Jilly. Yeah. What resources do you have for our lovely listeners? So, I found a very juicy blog post. Um, juicy. It is very juicy. Uh, and this article is, or the blog post, is by Teresa Graham Brett. And the title is Adultism, the Hidden Toxic Poisoning Our Relationships with Children. And I will definitely put this in the show notes. But just to give you a little uh, snippet of some of the stuff that she talks about, 
Um, I'll just read you like a couple small paragraphs. But it says, well, so she talks about how um, prisoners and other few institutional groups, young people's lives are more controlled than those of any other group in society. So if that make, does that make sense? So basically prisoners and children are treated about the same. Isn't that sad? Yeah. It said, in addition, adults reserve the right to punish, threaten, hit, take away privileges, and ostracize young people when they consider it beneficial in controlling them or disciplining them. If this were a description of the way a group of adults were treated, society would quickly recognize it as a form of oppression. Adults, however, generally do not consider adultism to be oppressive because this is the way they themselves were treated as youth. The process has been internalized. The essence of adultism is that young people are not respected. Instead, they are less important and, in a sense, inferior to adults. They cannot be trusted to develop correctly, so they must be taught, disciplined, harnessed, punished, and guided into the adult world. The liberation of young people will require the the active participation of adults. A good starting place is to consider and understand how we, today's adults, were mistreated and devalued when we were children and youth, and how we consequently act in adultist ways now. Wow. That is so true. (laughs) It is so true. So yeah, we will link that article in our show notes, and we definitely recommend you take a look at that and read it. And there are so many books out there more there about are. just the effects on how we talk to kids and how we treat them and the benefits once we change it. And it's guys and I can say like my kids were guinea pigs this year, this year, and it, it worked like I am hands down, not going back. I am woke and I can't go back. I can't go back to my old arcade. Been teaching ways. I've been red pilled. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Any other resources or are we getting into the, uh, no, that, that was it. of the day. We are so. I have two quotes of the day. Is oh, that okay? I I'm guess. so passionate about education. I yes. was like, I can't you just know what? choose one for for this topic. I'll allow it. All right. Two quotes of the day. I appreciate it. No problem. <laughs> the first quote of the day is by Teresa Graham Brett, who just wrote that wonderful blog post. When we abandon our need to control children, parenting is revolutionary in its ability to change the world. And it all starts with us. It does. It starts with the adults. It starts in the home. Mm-hmm. Yep. So true. The home. It's the core. It really is. It, it has such a ripple effect once you, you start at home. Good job, honey. Thank you. <laughs> the second quote of the day that you're allowing me to read. Quote of the day, number is two. Is by Brene Brown. I'm not a parenting expert. In fact, I'm not sure that I even believe in the idea of parenting experts. <laughs> I am an engaged, imperfect parent and a passionate researcher. I am an experienced map maker and a stumbling traveler. Like many of you, parenting is by far my boldest and my most daring adventure. We've only been parenting for 13 months and I wholeheartedly agree with that. And it's just gonna get more amazing, more chaotic, but it's gonna be great. It is. It really is. I I feel like we've learned a lot of lessons and I'm excited to try this experiment so to say (laughs) with our daughter and i feel like she's gonna reap a ton of benefits from it and be creative and again i think one of the things that i always said is it's not what she wants to be when she grows up but it's how she wants to help people and i think if we keep that language 
It's all about language. Yeah. It's all about the words we use and how we speak, the tone. I mean, it's, it has such a huge impact. So I yeah. agree. Everything I've been practicing, I'm excited to just do it with Lucille and just embrace whoever she becomes and just let her be her own being. Yeah. So take action. Listen to your kids. <laughs> yes. Shut up and listen, shut guys. And listen. Ask questions. Yes. Talk to yes. them like you would any other adult friend, family member, coworker. Kind and respectful. And you get to see some amazing things. Wow. Yes. That's all I can say. Wow. Absolutely. So, Jilly, thank you for sharing. I think this was great. And we want to thank all of you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it on social media. Give us a review. And it really helps us reach out to, to more people. Yeah, if you have any teacher friends, please share yes. this episode. Yes. I would love they to hear their to hear feedback this. as well on just what's going on in their classrooms. Please and thank you. And we are grateful for everyone. And we will talk to you when we get back from Copenhagen. Woohoo! See you later, guys. We want to thank everybody for listening today. Please be sure to subscribe and sign up to receive notifications so you know when the next episode is live. If you like today's episode and know someone who could benefit from the topic we covered, please share it with them. And if you have any suggestions for us and want to chime in on today's topic, you can email us at simplifiedchaospodcast at gmail.com, and that's chaos with a K, or send us a comment on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.